Hey Formation, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Tyler here. Welcome to another episode of The Weekly, where each week we take an opportunity to explain the whys behind what we do as a church family. Uh, This week we want to start to discuss why we take communion each week. I thought it'd be good for a few weeks in a row if we talk about uh, just a bunch of the basic things that we do, like worship service elements and Mm. just have some brief conversation around why we do a handful of those things. Cool. We, uh, because we have not always taken communion every single week, Mm -hmm. every once in a while we get a question about what led to that change. Sure. So I thought that might be a good place for us to jump in. Great. Um, And so, as I just said, it hasn't always been our practice. I think Mm -hmm. when we first started, we were taking communion once a month, maybe like first Sunday of the month, something like that. I think so, yeah. That sounds about right. Then COVID hit and we couldn't even be by each other much much less like touch stuff Mm -hmm. together. So we did no communion at all for, God, I don't even know. I mean, well over a year, I would bet that we didn't take it in a service pretty close to that. Something like that. Yeah. And then at some point as that started to loosen a little bit, we started to do it in a more intermittent way. But this is like, truthfully, all the way back to when we planted redemption in Chicago, there was a time early on where we took communion every week. Yes. We even did, I, I think you'll remember this, we we did communion different than we take it now. We practiced communion by what's called intinction, uh-huh. which is uh, if you've ever been in a church where you are given the bread and then you dip it in the cup, mm. and we stopped that. Yeah. Yeah, for, for mainly because it's just... So gross. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. I mean, I suppose like wine has some alcohol, but uh-huh. you know, like even when you're watching like the Westerns, they usually put like whiskey or something on like the, you know, the wound to clean it out. Not wine. Not wine. No. No. I don't, I, I've never heard of wine being used as an antiseptic. So no. it seems like that's not a good plan. Do you remember what, the moment that we made the change at Redemption? Yes, I do. There was, uh, we had like different, like typically husband and wife couples hold. Mm-hmm. So one held the bread and one held the wine. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was somebody had like, uh, we also used to do like a loaf and you mm-hmm. like tore it off. Yeah, and yeah. that's just like kind of impractical for like the speed with which it needs to happen. Yeah. But you it know, also think about sucks up things. way too much and it's disgusting. Yes. Well, yeah, that's just it. Because first of all, it's just soggy bread. Yeah. And even if it's with wine, doesn't make it delicious. No. And so somebody took off a hunk that was way too big and it had like a hangy piece and they <laughs> dipped it in. Like a bread tail. And it was like this huge floater yeah, it's in the wine goblet. Uh-huh. And so then the person that came after them, uh-huh. like the, the couple holding it, you could tell they were panicking. It was, <laughs> it was new for everyone. They were panicking. And the person who came after them, like saw it in there and saw yeah. the panic on their face. And so like, wasn't sure what to do, reached their hand right in and pulled it out. Mm-hmm. And then there were lots of people behind them to keep going. And they all had hand wine, yeah. which is not but ideal. the specific that I remember is that the person that was holding the uh, goblets yeah. was, because uh, we they held one juice and one wine, just like mm-hmm. we have now. And so when that person <laughs> put their hand in, the wine overflowed yeah. and went all over this person's feet. And they were also wearing sandals. Yes. So it was on their sand. And it also like stained their sandal. And this couple, like they're one of those couples that like exclusively dressed in athleisure, Mm, but it was like nice stuff. Yeah. And I think he was most upset that I think it ruined his sandals because they were kind of like leather ones that I don't know how you get wine stain out of sandals. I'm not sure that's a Google thing. No. (laughs) 
So that has nothing to do with why we take communion every no. single week, but I think it's a funny story. Yeah. And it's also a great example of why intinction is a gross way to practice. Yeah. And we've always had a friend who has found it so gross, yeah. like just so gross. I think built an entire yeah. theological argument against intinction yeah. only because he actually thinks it's gross. he's kind of gross. a germ guy. Yeah. 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 So anyway, but so, needless to say, we're happy with our little uh, single serve pouches. Cups. Yeah. I'm good with those. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about why we do it weekly now. Okay. And I, there's really three, and I think a lot of this will probably be more me because a lot of this has been my thoughts around this. But the first reason for me is the, you know, anybody that's ever been to our church in the last six months has heard me give the same explanation for communion every week. There's two reasons that we, two things happen in communion. We remember and we Mm -hmm. receive. Yeah. So the first reason is the more frequently we can be reminded of the source of our faith, the better. So every time we take communion, we are reminded that it was Jesus' body and blood offered in our place that is Mm -hmm. the source of our forgiveness. It's the source of our uh, redeemed relationship with him. It's the way that we can step into our true selves in Christ as he created us to be. And so our human inclination is always bent toward earning and religion and and, and legalistic behavior. And so every time we take communion, we're reminded it's not because of the things that we do that we are made right with God. Sure. So that's the first one. The second one is the more frequently we can be recipients of grace, the better. Now, I've, I've read a lot of like both like old dead theologians on this, new living theologians on this, and where there, there's all kind of like so many things pertaining to ecclesiology, which is like anything to do with like church theology, basically. Okay. There's an, an immense amount of disagreement. Oh, yeah. Um, but one place that there tends to be a lot of agreement, not exclusive, but a lot, is that when we take communion, that it is actually what theologians would refer to as a means of grace, that something takes place in this spiritual practice where the Holy Spirit dispenses grace to us. And, uh, and so like you were, we were talking about this before we got on and you joked about it. Like, so as you were like, is it like a power up? And like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't know the end. It's not like Mario gets his mushroom and he gets bigger. It's not that. Mm, I don't that think. That would be so awesome. I would be. If I could but, start doing fireballs. Yeah, yeah. I think what I would argue is that all spiritual practice becomes a conduit by which grace flows into our lives. Mm. So, and, and communion is, is one of those things. And so if it is a way in which God dispenses grace to us, why would we not do that as much as we can? Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then the last one, and this was the big kind of censure for me, was I was reading a book by an author named Rory Noland, um, who has a vast amount of experience in worship leading, worship training, and helping churches really understand worship. Mm -hmm. He has a, a newer book, I believe, called Transforming Worship. And his premise is essentially, what if we planned our worship services as though spiritual formation matters Mm. and takes place in the service? Mm -hmm. And as a part of that, he does a whole chapter where he does this deep dive into the history of the rhythms that have made up corporate worship. Mm. And going back, as like uh, some people may not realize this, but the New Testament does not have an order of service, right? It doesn't say like, here's how you should open, here's what you should do in the middle, here's the songs you should sing, like it doesn't have that. Yeah. But when we look back at church history, as far back as we have record, there have been two elements that have been present in the worship service. Okay. 
word and table. So basically teaching the scriptures and then communion. And I believe that's all the way back to the second century that every time the early church gathered, they did those two things. They would mm-hmm. read and teach and pray the scriptures and they would take communion together. Okay. And so in my mind, the more that we can follow the early church rhythms, the better. And so that was really the third reason was, was coming to terms with like, that this is what the church has done as far back as we possibly know. And so why would we not seek to continue to follow in their footsteps? That makes sense? Sure. So three reasons. The more frequently we can be reminded of the source of our faith, the better. Secondly, the more frequently we can be recipients of grace, the better. And then the more that we can follow early church rhythms, the better. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of The Weekly. If there's something that we do that you'd like to better understand the why behind, send us your questions at info at formationslc.com. And until next week, we love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you this Sunday. Mm -hmm.